Hello, everyone. It is then again at the Northeast Georgia History Center. Thank you for tuning in to this week's broadcast. And today we have some more local flavor with the building of Buford Dam and Lake Lanier. Lake Lanier, is a, it's a man-made lake, and it's one of the largest in the state. And it has had all sorts of history and all sorts of controversy that swirl around it. So I brought in an expert today. Today we have with us Dr. D. Gillespie from the University of North Georgia. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Gillespie. Sure, glad to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself, about, you know, the kind of history you like and how in the world you came to decide to study bodies of water. <laughs> well, my, my main focus has been kind of post-1945 U.S. history generally. And my main focus, a big project I've been working on is about Black women's political culture, particularly in the civil rights era. So this Buford Dam project seems a bit far afield from that, but it's not as far afield. What I really focus on are communities in transition in the mid to late 20th century. And certainly civil rights discussions brought transitions in Southern communities and kind of a new relationship between state, local, and federal governments, new relationships with people in local communities. And you can see those same kinds of dynamics playing out with something like the construction of Buford Dam that created Lake Lanier in Northeast Georgia, where there were similar questions about the role of the federal government, the relationship between local people and the federal government, and then something happening that causes people to change the way that they were living before and kind of make a transition based on this, uh, in this case, a major infrastructure project. We'll get to why the infrastructure project began in a second, but if you would, describe what's in the area that is now Lake Lanier. I mean, what are we looking at? Empty forests, rabbits, farms? Well, it, it was a river valley, right? So the Chattahoochee River flowed through the area that we now know as Lake Lanier. And so the banks of the river were certainly much closer than the banks of Lake Lanier. You could see Forsyth County from Hall County. If you stood on one side of the Chattahoochee, you could see over into Forsyth County. There were a number of smaller farms that dotted along the riverbank and farmers mainly grew growing corn and other kind of uh, produce in the bottomlands along the river. And then a significant amount of woodland that was still there along the riverbank that had been there for hundreds of years by the time we get to the 1950s. A lot of people, I think, when they think of dams being built, they think of them being built in the 30s under TVA, but this was not a TVA project, right? No, but it is in some ways influenced by the TVA, uh, the Tennessee Valley Authority. The construction of large-scale infrastructure projects, in this case a dam project, kind of the idea of it and the scale of it was certainly influenced by what was seen as the success of the TVA. And so in into the 1940s, there is significant infrastructure development along the Savannah River and other rivers in the Southeast. And so Atlanta officials who started the conversation about Buford Dam were kind of drawing on that context that they didn't want to be, as they saw it, left behind by this large-scale infrastructure development that was going on in the region where they found themselves. They wanted to be a part of it. And so Buford Dam is not part of the TVA, but certainly that larger context influenced early discussions about the dam. Let me give you a great setup. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 
We're talking about Buford and Hall County. Why, are, why should we listen to the people in Atlanta? What do they have to say to butt into our business up here for their own personal gain? Well, it wasn't seen totally as Atlanta's gain, right? So Buford Dam wasn't totally seen as Atlanta's gain. There was certainly some of that in the discussions about Buford Dam in a sense that folks in Northeast Georgia in some ways felt like the city was imposing its will on the region north to the north. But there were also also people in places like Cumming and Forsyth County and Hall County, Gainesville and Buford who saw benefits for their local communities as well, primarily because the dam would be used to generate electrical power. So it would expand electrical power. It was seen as a way to replace perhaps some outdated electrical power stations. So this would be more reliable electrical power. And then certainly the creation of a large reservoir in the form of Lake Lanier would provide a steady water supply, or at least regulate the water supply for Northeast Georgia. And then finally, the recreational possibilities that would introduce new economic activity into Northeast Georgia, particularly places like Cumming and Gainesville and Buford. So there was certainly some pushback about, you know, those city folks coming up here and and changing things, but there were active voices in those local communities around the dam who were also very much advocating for the construction of the dam. Well, and you know, those voices that were advocating for and opposed to, were were there clear delineations in how those sides were formed? Was it wealthy versus poor? Was it white versus black? What were some of the delineations in, in opposition to and support for the dam? Well, it mattered what your position was, as you're pointing out. So for those farmers along the riverbank, there were some in that group who were already feeling like it was becoming harder to make a living on a farm like that, that the boll weevil had devastated farms in the 1930s and the struggle continued into the 1940s. Certainly soil erosion, which was a problem before the lake was in place, was impacting those bottomland farms. So some farmers along the riverbank were already feeling the effects of lower yield. And when a farmer has lower yield, it means they make less money. So there were some farm families that were already kind of looking for a way to do something different. And then this project provided that kind of opportunity. There's also certainly business leaders, depending on what kind of business you were in. You looked at things from your perspective. So for business owners who saw the possibility of opening marinas, right, that would open up new avenues for a business and making money. For others who depended on relatively smaller bridges that spanned across the Chattahoochee River, they saw this project as not necessarily helping them out in terms of their business because not all of those small bridges would be rebuilt in the place where they were uh, when the lake was full. And so as a result, some of those businesses found themselves cut off from the very customer base that they depended on. So it's hard to draw those lines neatly through each of these groups. It was really kind of where your family was and where your business was at the time when the dam was constructed. So this was directed by the federal government, right? Well, it was an idea proposed by the Corps of Engineers that quickly gained support from Atlanta officials, as well as business leaders in Atlanta, business leaders in places like Forsyth and Gwinnett County and Hall County. And then the goal was to convince 
Congress that this was a good idea. So it was a federally constructed project, but it's not that the federal government came in and said, we're going to do this, whether you want us to or not. Almost a grassroots effort. Well, there was some of that. It depends on how you define grassroots, right? So um, for those local farmers, I'm not sure that they felt like they were an active part of advocating for the dam, but there was certainly local support for the construction of the dam. Right. But it started local and went up to the federal level, like you say, rather than the reverse of that. That's right. And well, an involvement with the federal government through the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers that were certainly involved in those early discussions about the dam. What sort of concerns were there from an environmental perspective when they were planning the dam, placing the dam, building the dam? The main things that come to mind for me was there were concerns about continued soil erosion, right? So particularly when we talk about debates about the use of the reservoir. So there was this idea that creating the reservoir would resolve issues of soil erosion north of the dam because you'd have a more stable kind of shoreline that you could regulate and manage. And that would help to resolve those soil erosion issues north of the dam. But once you release water south of the dam, that creates a whole new brand of soil erosion problems because depending on the force of the water, then you're going to have new soil erosion south of the dam. So that was one of the the environmental concerns during these debates was solving one side of that issue, but maybe creating problems in other areas. There was also discussion about mosquito control. So there were concerns about having standing water in places where there wasn't standing water already. And would this then create the possibility of having more trouble with mosquitoes? And then what kind of problems would that cause? And so those kinds of environmental concerns. There's also concerns south of the dam, as it's important to remember that Buford Dam is part of a much larger river system. The part that we see is Buford Dam and Lake Lanier but it's actually the northernmost dam on the entire Chattahoochee River system. So the Chattahoochee River, as you know, flows north, flows southwest toward Atlanta, skirts the northern edge of Atlanta, heads out toward Alabama, and then turns south and forms the border between Georgia and Alabama. The Hooch then flows into the Flint and Apalachicola Rivers in Florida and finally empties out into the Gulf of Mexico. And so thinking about it that way, engineers thought about Buford Dam as the northernmost dam on that entire river system that you could kind of operate like a water faucet, right? That you could regulate the entire flow of the river through that entire river system, through this system of dams of which Buford Dam was kind of the northernmost one. So there were some concerns about if the Corps of Engineers determined that there needed to be lower flow moving through that river system, that they would kind of start to turn off the spigot there at Buford Dam. And what impact might that have on endangered species farther downstream in uh, closer to Alabama or closer to Florida? And so there were those kinds of discussions as well, that what impact would regulating this water have on natural environments that existed before you put these dams in place? The local listeners know that that has been a hot topic of debate, lawsuit, and conversation for at least a hot decade, if not more. Yeah, that's exactly right. It was certainly part of the discussions when the, and again, many listeners are going to remember in the 1990s, the tri-state water wars, where there was a drought in 
Georgia, Alabama, and Florida. And so particularly Atlanta officials were making an argument that Lake Lanier was there as a reservoir for the city of Atlanta and that more water needed to be allocated to Atlanta while other communities further downstream in Alabama and Florida were arguing that that water needed to flow all the way down so that you could preserve these endangered species and allow for that regular river flow farther downstream, that if you stopped that in Atlanta, that these communities downstream would be negatively impacted. And they're still having that debate. Yes. <laughs> nothing, nothing that I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there has been a definitive conclusion to, to those arguments. No, there hasn't. And what's helped to delay that decision is that it started raining again. And, <laughs> right. and so the, the urgency of it kind of let off because there seemed to be ample water supply. And so it kind of doused the flame of those debates, at least for now. Right. Something else we maybe should have addressed at the very beginning, but we'll do it now. Say, Dr. Gillespie, why is it even called Lake Lanier? Lake Lanier is named for Sidney Lanier, who was born in Macon in 1842. And as a boy, Sidney Lanier showed great promise and talent in music and literature. He served for in the Confederate Army during the Civil War and, in fact, was captured and spent some time in a prison camp. And when he returned to Georgia, his health had been impacted by his War experience, but returned to his original love for music and poetry. And in 1877, he wrote a poem called The Song of the Chattahoochee, where he kind of lyrically describes the Hooch's journey from the hills of Habersham down the valleys of Hall, so that when officials were looking for a name for this brand new lake, they decided that with the water flowing from Habersham and through the valleys of Hall, that Lanier, Lake Lanier, would be an appropriate name for the lake. And it is. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, you've done some oral history with folks who were very individually impacted by the filling up of the lake. We did, and I can't take credit for the oral history interviews. We actually had students at the University of North Georgia do those interviews. And so through those interviews, we gathered stories from those families, like you're saying, that were directly affected by the lake construction. And many of them talked about kind of this narrative that we hear in a, about the lake where there are there's the recognition and acknowledgement that the creation of Lake Lanier changed northeast Georgia in some positive ways right so it introduced uh, a new economic engine in the in the community brought new uh, both local state national and international attention to northeast Georgia but for those families that were impacted by the uh, construction of Buford Dam and then the creation of Lake Lanier those families also still very much talked about the feeling of loss and this loss of a home place, a home place where the family had, in some cases, generations of ties to that land and and really kind of felt that connection. So kind of that two sides of the coin, recognizing and acknowledging the positive aspects of the lake, but then also, like I said, still in some ways mourning the loss of uh, a home place. Well, in, in all the research you've done on this topic, what are one or two of the just the nuggets that just fascinated you, really liked finding and helped maybe elucidate some things? Oh, that's a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> no. The thing that keeps me interested in this project is the impact on people. Um, I'm a social historian, and so I study 
the impact, social impact, and on people and their communities and the way that they they live their lives. And so for me, what was what's interesting about the project is kind of the transition from what might be considered to be a more traditional way of life to what might be considered to be a more modern way of life and have that happen not because your family makes the choice to do that, but because you're forced to do that. And so, and and Lake Lemire and Buford Dam offers an opportunity to kind of explore how families adapt to that and, and the forces that cause that kind of disruption. Right. I think there's three things. We talk about this in the exhibits here. There, there's lots of things that, that begin serious transformations of this region, but the three that we highlight here are Cherokee removal, mm-hmm. the railroad coming up to, to Gainesville in 1871, and, and on from that point on into Northeast Georgia, mm-hmm. and of course, Buford Dam and Lake Lanier, because as you say, that has had a phenomenally strong impact on every aspect of life here. That's right. And it, and it redefined the region. The region is now very much defined around the lake and tourism and recreation in, in ways that it was not before, where it was kind of seen as the, the railroad certainly changes things in the 1870s, but still into the 1950s, both Forsyth and Hall County were still predominantly rural counties where people farmed the way that they had for generations. And there had been some changes in that caused by the depression, the introduction of textile mills, but certainly not the level of disruption in that more traditional way of life that the lake forces kind of in Northeast Georgia. With a lake this big, there's there's bound to be some accidents and mystery that come about. So can you think of, of anything that is like mysterious lore that surrounds this mysterious body of water? Well, there's certainly a lot of legends about hauntings around Lake Lanier. But I think the story that most folks might already know is known as the Lady of the Lake. And so it's the story of these two women who went across the lake as it was filling up, right? So this was in in 1958. They drove across a relatively newly constructed bridge from Gainesville to go to a dance in Dawsonville. And then on their way home, they were never seen again after they they went to this dance. And nobody really knew what had happened to them. A year later, one of the women's bodies washed ashore. And so that was a pretty clear indication that they had drowned in the lake. But the other woman in the car were never found until... uh, 1990, when engineers decided to dig alongside the the supports for the large bridge that that goes across Lake Lanier now. And in digging with those big pieces of equipment, kind of reaching down into the mud in the lake, they pulled up a car from the 1950s. And then scientists uh, did tests and found that there were human remains in the car and determined that it was uh, Susie Roberts, who was the other woman involved in this incident. And the supposition is that they had driven across this newly constructed bridge that didn't have really effective kind of guardrails and just accidentally drove off the bridge into the lake. And so the the kind of discovery of this car and the and this woman who'd been missing since 1958 gives rise to this legend of the lady of the lake and she's she's largely known as the lady of the lake. Ooh, spooky. 
Yeah. And anybody that's done any diving in Lake Lanier knows that you can still find the remnants of the homesteads that were submerged as a result of lake construction. So uh, there's still stories of folks who come back up from diving with broken teacups or window frames with the glass still in them. Um, Because while the Corps of Engineers and farm families dismantled many of the structures before the lake was constructed, they didn't dismantle all of them. And so those remnants are still under the lake to be found. Who knew we could get into underwater archaeology here in Northeast Georgia? That's right. That's right. And archaeology that doesn't stretch back to, you know, the Middle Ages or ancient times, but instead into the 1950s. So long ago. Yeah. Well, it does feel that way uh, to some folks, I think. (laughs) Yes. Well, Dr. Gillespie, that is all the time we have today. want to extend my thanks to you for joining us and telling us about this remarkably fascinating piece of local and regional history. Well, I was glad to do it. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Folks, that's going to be it for today. We hope you have enjoyed this episode and we hope you continue to tune in, support us, follow us on Facebook. And until we meet with you next time, stay safe and take care. Then Again is a production of the Cottrell Digital Studio at the Northeast Georgia History Center. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. It really helps other people discover the show. We also hope you'll join us for our free weekly live stream programs on Facebook Live and YouTube Live every week at 2 p.m. Eastern. Just search for the Northeast Georgia History Center and we'll pop right up. There are a few great ways to support the History Center. Make a donation online by clicking the donate button on our website at www.negahc.org. Become a digital member to receive exclusive invites to members-only live streams every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern. And you can register on our membership page at www.negahc.org. We also have an online gift shop with lots of great items for all ages. Use promo code THENAGAIN for 15% off your online order. Valid on anything except memberships and handmade items. We'll see you next week for another episode of Then Again. Thanks, y'all.